0: Well, good morning, Hillcrest Church, both uh, online and here in the building. And I'm delighted to see many of you here. And um, I'm, I'm losing teams in the in the NFL playoffs one after the other. So, I, I'm today. I'm a I'm a Chiefs fan. So, so, woo. Uh, I want to uh, I want to take a moment with you before I I begin my sermon to reflect a little bit with you pastorally about the events of the past couple of weeks. Um, Last week, I spent most of the time reflecting on my own uh, personal events. I didn't. I didn't touch too much on the on the larger uh, stuff going on. So, um, for me, I, I want you to know that it's been a little bit disconcerting to to uh, to see some of the symbols of our democracy um, being. Um, uh, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Uh, People flooding into them, anyway. Um, It's been difficult to watch the violence uh, as it's been perpetrated. And uh, and it's been troubling for me. And here's the part that I, the reason why I'm taking this moment to say this. It's been troubling for me as a follower of Jesus to see protesters wrapped in American flags holding signs that quote Bible verses. I don't know if that troubles you. That troubles me. Some would want us to believe that this is a stolen election, and I'm not taking a position of whether it is or it isn't. That's up to you to decide. Uh, Others seem to think that this is about the risk of losing personal rights, right? Still others claim that regardless of the obvious shortcomings of our president and his administration, he is somehow anointed for this role. And I suspect some of you travel in circles that you hear that kind of language. Now, I'm not really interested in any of those. I, 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 truly, I am not. The, the question that I'm interested in is what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus at this moment in time? What does it mean to follow Jesus in this moment in time? The, the reason why this is an important question is because when you and I make a decision to follow Jesus... We gave over our allegiance to a different king, and we committed ourselves to live under a different set of rules in a different kingdom. Now, you may not have recognized that at the moment you made that decision, but you did. The scriptures talk about about being in the world, but not of the world. This in, but not of character, is what makes these recent events so difficult and so challenging for us. So let me offer you a very brief reflection about how we as followers of Jesus, as we, the Church of Jesus Christ, as we, Hillcrest Covenant Church, uh, try to navigate this moment and remember that when push comes to shove, we are citizens of God's kingdom And our loyalty is to God and the values of the kingdom first and foremost. And if you have questions about that reality, then you got other uh, things you need to think about. So first, first, be wary of pundits or politicians or protesters who quote Bible verses to make a political point. The Bible is not a bludgeon. The scripture is a sacred book to those who seek to live in but not of the world. The, uh, the great theologian, St. Augustine, developed this, this idea that as, as Christians we live in two kingdoms at the same time. And maybe you're familiar with this idea. Uh, think of it like intersecting circles. One circle represents sort of the worldly kingdom, and the other circle represents God's kingdom and God's values. And there is a small section where these two intersecting circles uh, uh, cross over, and that is, is where we live as followers of Jesus in the tension of both of these kingdoms. And, and th- there's nothing really, really can do about that um, because we do live in the world in a certain sense, but our allegiance is to a different king and of a different kingdom. Third, Jesus was neither a Republican or a Democrat. Should I say that again? Jesus was neither a Republican nor a Democrat. He may have been a Libertarian for all of that. I don't know, but he was anyway. Anyway, in fact, one of the reasons Jesus was crucified was because he was viewed as a threat to the Roman Empire. You know, he 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 wasn't hung on a cross because he was going around healing people and saying uh, odd things. I mean, that might have been part of it for some, somebody. But at the core, Jesus was crucified because he was a threat. And in a similar way, those who follow Jesus will always be a threat to the ruling authorities for the very same reason. Get used to it. Finally, four. The role of the follower of Jesus in times of political and social disruption is to live Faithfully. So how do we do that? We continue to live and we promote the values of the kingdom. Among those values is the recognition that God is in charge. When all else fails, take a step back and remember that God is in charge. Another value that we represent is a community who values truth. Another value that we represent as citizens of God's kingdom is the recognition that even in the most difficult set of circumstances, our vision remains focused on Jesus and Jesus' kingdom. So in the end, as people who are citizens of God's kingdom, we will feel the tension of being in but not of the world from time to time. And maybe we feel that more acutely now than ever. And when that happens, that's good. That means that your faith means something to you. That means that the values of God's kingdom have seeped into the innermost parts of your life and are beginning to change the way you think and the way you live. It means that along with followers of Jesus, everywhere, at every time, you are in exactly the place that God desires you to be. We are God's people. We are to be in, but not of, this world. And that's a tension that we are going to live with uh, for the rest of our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for Jesus, who is a king who embodies a character that cuts against the grain of all of the other kingdoms that are uh, trying to uh, jockey for ascendancy right now. And I pray that as the people of God in this place, either sitting in our living rooms right now, pondering what I've just said, uh, or sitting in this uh, sanctuary, that we would uh, not be afraid to live in that tension of being in and of the world at the same time. God, and uh, most of all, I want to ask you to give us courage and give us grace and give us humility as we seek to follow you in, uh, in the midst of these disruptive and sometimes troubling times. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So that, so that was just like a short sermon. That wasn't really my sermon. I'm sorry. But uh, I do have something else to say, and it has to do with living in the new normal. Last week, I suggested to you that the new normal gives us an opportunity to choose between contentment on the one hand and anxiety on the other. And I said to you that the path to peace and contentment, which is, of course, what all of us want, especially during this time, this, this path that transcends our understanding is prayer. And I, I invited you to pray. When you found yourself facing this dilemma to be content versus being discontent and, and uh, anxious, I said, why not pray? Today, I want to continue our sermon series called The New Normal, Following Jesus in a Time of Transition, by giving you yet another clear choice that I think that we as followers of Jesus have uh, in this new normal uh, time frame. As we find ourselves navigating through this new normal, another choice that we're faced with is whether we're going to live out of a a sense of fear or whether we're going to place our trust in God. So that's the choice, fear or trust. Now, some may think that the opposite of fear is courage or, or boldness. The problem is that many of us can fe- uh, fake it. We can feign a sense of, of boldness or courage, and we can still be fearful at heart, right? It's like the lion in The Wizard of Oz. He tries to fake his way to appearing courageous, but everybody knows that he's not. Because he needs a new heart, right? That's that's the whole purpose of him going on the trip. And as we enter into this new normal, we have another choice to make as followers of Jesus. We can choose to be fearful. We can choose to live out of our sense of fear. Or we can choose to trust the one whose love, get this, casts out all fear. Let me read from the text from uh, Proverbs that addresses this issue of trust directly. And then I'll offer you a couple of uh, thoughts for you to consider as you seek to follow Jesus in the midst of your new normal. So Proverbs uh, chapter 3, uh, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. If you memorize this verse as a kid as I did You will note that the third line of that uh, phrase, in all your ways submit to him, I think the way I uh, memorized it was, in all your ways acknowledge him. There may be uh, alternative words as well. If trust is the anecdote for fear, why do we find it so difficult to trust sometimes? You ever thought about that? I don't think there's an easy answer to that question, but before we consider the value of trust as as sort of a way of living, which which I I wanna get to ultimately because I think that's what's ultimately uh, gonna help us, let me offer you a couple of observations about fear. When we live out of a sense of fear, we are functioning primarily out of our basic instincts rather than the higher order of our brain. So to be, to be fearful is, is, is natural, but it is, it is one of the responses that is at the lower portion of our brain. It's sort of the reactionary uh, way that we interact uh, with, with our emotions when, when we're afraid. When, when the early inhabitants of the earth were surprised by a predator, rather than stop and have a conversation with one another about whether their spears were sharp enough to kill the animal that was about to eat them, Fear kicked in, and they ran or they reacted. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's, that, it's that, that base instinct. This is how fear functions. When you don't have time to think, when you don't have time to consider, when you don't have time to calculate your options, fear is designed to help us survive. It's a survival mechanism, if you will. But you can't live there. Living in this sort of this perpetual state of, of fearfulness um, um, and adrenaline that's pumping through our bodies when we're afraid um, is neither healthy nor advisable. Fear is okay for, for those occasional times when we need to react, run, or, or protect ourselves from danger. Like uh, last week when I was flying across the lanes uh, uh, in my car, I was fearful and that was good. But living fearfully is wearying. It makes every conversation a win or lose proposition. It creates distance rather than encouraging community from those who are different from us or hold different views from us. Fear expresses itself in a variety of ways. Some people are afraid of failure. And maybe there's some people here or some people watching online for whom that is your primary fear. I cannot fail. I cannot fail. I don't want people to know that I'm a failure. Some people are afraid of appearing incompetent. Some people are afraid of dying. And then there is a whole slew of other fears that we have. Spiders, the dark... You know, high places, the list goes on. One of my favorite authors, uh, author Frederick Biegner, he says this, here is the world, beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Thanks, Frederick. But I think he's right. Yes, we, we cannot control all of the elements of our lives that have the potential to make us afraid, but we can address the fear. And one way to do that is by placing our trust in a loving God. So the first characteristic that I want for us to consider this morning of trust is trusting God is a wholehearted commitment. Trusting God is a wholehearted commitment. Uh, Trusting God is not something that you can do halfway. Trusting God requires our whole heart. It requires all of us. In a lot of ways, it's similar to marriage, you know? If you go into marriage with any sense that, oh, I don't know, if this doesn't work out, it's, well, you know, I'll, I'll move on, then, then there's probably a not a, a lot of hope that that marriage is gonna, is gonna be successful over the long term. You, you ever um, take a boat ride, and uh, you know when you have to step from the dock uh, into the boat itself, And um, there's that moment in time where you have to commit yourself. You have to shift your weight from the dock to the boat. Because if you don't shift your weight, guess what happens? You You go into the drink, right? You'll find yourself in the water. Trusting God is like that. There is a point at which we have to go all in. Now, I understand that there may be all kinds of good reasons why we may wish to hold back a little bit here or a little bit there. Perhaps we hold back because we just aren't sure if we can trust God on on this particular thing. I mean, what does God know about this anyway? Maybe we struggle with trusting God because we've had other relationships or experiences where trust has been irreparably broken and that that often happens and that that impacts our ability to trust god there's no doubt about it when the writer of the proverbs says trust in the lord with all your heart he is clearly aware of all of the circumstances and obstacles that make it difficult to do that yet if we want to overcome a life of fearfulness we've got to begin to trust again we have to trust and who better to place our trust in than a faithful God? Amen. So if you find yourself in a place where you presently are not offering your whole heart, uh, your whole heart, your wholehearted trust to God, then you have some work to do. There, there's no question about it. Spend some time trying to identify the experiences, perhaps in your past or presently, that have cr- contributed to your inability to trust. And once you've identified the source of your fear, then offer that to God. God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid about this. I don't know if there's anything I can do about it right now, but please, take it off my hands. Allow God to reestablish a foundation of trust whereby you can place your wholehearted trust in God again. Trusting God requires us to set aside our preconceptions. Proverbs says it like this, he says, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You see, trusting God as opposed to being fearful requires us to acknowledge at, w- at one level our own limitations, whether they be the limits of our resources, the limits of our intellect, the, the, or simply our limited ability to understand our circumstances in the scope of God's perspective. You see, if we can't acknowledge the limits of our own capacity, then it is very difficult to place our trust in God, much less anybody else, because we secretly think that we can take care of it, that we can handle it, we can manage it, it'll be fine. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a pilot, but I understand that there is a certain circumstance when flying a plane where all of our human in, uh, senses would indicate that we should take a certain course of action when the instruments on the panel are telling us something entirely different. This was the case for John Kennedy, Jr., when he was flying to Martha's Vineyard in a thick fog a number of years ago now. He wasn't instrument trained, as I understand, so as he entered into the fog, his skills as a pilot told him to do one thing, while the instruments said to do something else, and the result was a plane crash, right? Sometimes our, our resources and our, um, our hunches are wrong. And we need to pay attention to the instruments. There are times in our lives where we simply have to admit that we don't understand and we can't see over the horizon. We don't have the capacity to do that. And it's at those times, the writer of the Proverbs is encouraging us to acknowledge our own limitations. Now, this is easier for some of us and more difficult for others, yet to choose trust over fear in this new normal is part of the new reality that we're going to have to figure out. We may not be able to acknowledge our limitations every time, we are given the opportunity, but but at first, if we begin to practice placing our trust in God in a variety of ways in circumstances big and small, it will become more natural for us to not always lean on our own understanding, our own capacity, our own resources. Another characteristic of trust is trusting God is an act of submission. The Proverbs says, in all your ways, submit to him. If you think acknowledging your limitations is difficult, then the writer of the Proverbs is raising the bar here, right? Trusting God over living in fear is at the core an act of placing ourselves in submission to God. It is the recognition that God is faithful. God is trustworthy and has our best interest in mind. He always has and he always will. Submission to God isn't just our our search for God. It's understanding that God is also searching for us. Now, Henry Nowen, he describes his own struggle to trust God like this. I'm going to read a, a lengthy quote, part of which you will see on the screen. I didn't put all of it up there, but you'll see when I get there. and says this, For most of my life I've struggled to find God, to know God, to love God. I've tried hard to follow the guidelines of the spiritual life, pray always, work for others, read the scriptures, and to avoid the many temptations to dissipate myself. I have failed many times, but always tried again, even when I was close to despair. Now I wonder whether I have sufficiently realized that during all this time, God has been trying to find me, to know me, to love me. The question is not, how am I to find God, but how am I to let myself be found by him? The question is not, how am I to know God, but how am I to let myself be known by God, and, and finally, the question is not, how am I to love God, but, but how am I to let myself be loved by God? God is looking into the distance for me, trying to find me, and longing to bring me home. I think that gives us a picture of what submission looks like, that it's not always about us. It, it may be about God. It may, it may be about God's search for us. And you know, as you, as you recognize, submission is not a popular concept in our culture. It implies weakness, right? Submission means that we are potentially placing ourselves in a position of, of being taken advantage of by somebody else. Yet it is submission to the divine will and ways of God that gives us freedom, that liberates us from the bondage of our fear, Because while all of these things uh, can be true, all of these things that we say about submission, submission always has to do with the one to whom we are submitting. Yes, submission to a political tyrant may result in getting our heads chopped off, but God is a loving Father who, who waits at the front window for us to come over the horizon. And when God sees us while we are far off, Our loving Father runs to embrace us and welcome us home. Yes, submission is hard, but just remember submission is not just about placing ourselves under the authority of an angry God. Submission is about a loving Father who will not rest until he finds us and welcomes us and wraps his arms around us. And regardless of how far we've gone and how long we've been away, this same God will welcome us home every time. Trusting God leads ultimately to God's destination and not ours. That's the final phrase in this proverb. The new normal presents us, uh, presents us with a choice of living fearfully or uh, living moment by moment out of our, bare, our base instinct, trying, trying to protect ourselves from hurt and pain and uncertainty, or we can choose to place our trust in the arms of a loving God. The path from fear to trust is not always a straight line. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be jagged and curvy, and there's going to be hills and there's going to be values, uh, valleys. Sometimes we will have our shining moments where, where we surprise ourselves with our ability to trust God in a particular situation. We go, wow, I actually trusted God there. And then there would be those times when we recognize and we agonize and in, in fear about what to do or where to go next or what the next step we should take in a certain situation. So this final phrase is, in the scripture that we've been looking at today reminds us that when we trust God, God will faithfully lead us to God's destination for us. Oftentimes we expect God to bless our desired destination, right? God, I, I wanna go here to college, will you bless that? God, I, uh, I need to get a new car, I'd like this model. God, will you bless that? God, we want to take a vacation this year and we're thinking about going here. Will you bless that? See, that's kind of how we operate, right? We want God to, to help us find the perfect spouse. Well, you, you get the point. Trusting is a, in a faithful God means God will lead us to the place that God wants us to go and not necessarily the place that we think we should be going Somebody might respond, well, Brad, you know, what's the point of that? (laughs) I know as well as anyone what is the best for me and where I want to end up. Why would I submit myself to some other destination? You see, we can trust God rather than live in fear because of the very character of God. We may not end up where we thought we would. I never dreamed that I'd be standing here in suburban Kansas City, I had no idea. And I'm glad I'm here. We may not end up where we thought we would. The paths that we travel may not be on the map that we've planned. But let me tell you, if given the choice, I would much rather walk on the path that God has placed in front of me, with God accompanying me, than any other path that looks appealing. In the end, living in this new normal presents us with another choice, another opportunity, really, to do, uh, do we want to live out of a sense of fear or do we want to place our trust in a faithful God who will stop at nothing to find us and guide us on a path that God has prepared for each of us? I don't know about you, but I I choose trust over fear i hope that you will do the same let's pray together there are some that are viewing this service from home and some who may be in the building today god for whom this choice uh, describes their circumstances right now. And my prayer is for those people that you will give them the courage to choose trust over fear. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.